This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, this is Amir. And this is also Amir. And you're listening to the You Don't Love Me podcast. Life from the perspective of a gay South Asian married couple. Enjoy. When I grow up, I'll be pilot. Pilot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a pilot. That's great. <laughs> when I grow up, I can't do it. I will fight for Pakistan and I will defend Pakistan from India when I grow up. Pakistan's in the bud. Yeah, he's Pakistan. That's great. That's great. When, when I grow up, I will be a, a army officer and destroy India. Their next generation will be a hundred percent literate. That's great. That's great. I'll sacrifice my life for Pakistan. He sacrificed his life for Pakistan. That's crap. No one will have the carrot. That's crap. No one will have carrot. That's crap. <laughs> That's crap. He's going to be pilot. That's crap. She's going to blab. Let me turn you right the fuck down because <laughs> the, the thingy magic on the sound is like in the red. That's crap. Okay. okay, I've got, that's great! Oh my god, still no. <laughs> that's great! Um, that's great. By the way, <laughs> we got she, obsessed with that video again, haven't we? She made a response video. You know that woman <laughs> in, in the TikTok? <laughs> to herself? She made a response video. She was, and like, I think she's a politician. She has a Twitter account and everything. And like, <laughs> you'd think she'd look like that just for the occasion. But no, this is 100% commitment on her part. This is who she is. And like, she was... She made this video and she was like, yeah, well, you know, if kids are saying we'll sacrifice our own life, then yes, of course I will. Uh, Of course we will. We love our country and stuff. And she was proper serious about it. She just refused to get in on the joke. And the entire video, I believe, is like three hours or something. She went through literally every single kid. That's great. That's great. And yeah, then, but if you look and then, the... no. But then people started trolling her in the video. <laughs> people were like, guys, please leave her alone. That's great. And no one will have the carrot <laughs> <laughs> instead of courage because of the way she says it. No one will have the carrot. <laughs> That's great. That's great. So for those that don't know, this is a video that we watched last year, but we've become obsessed yes. with again. Can you give some context, please, babe? Okay, so the, it's, I believe, Pakistan Independence Day and they're celebrating it at a school in Pakistan and there's this politician who's come in to see the children and everyone's making a, a statement, a pledge for Pakistan as to what they will do. So, um, But I think it's all rehearsed, so they have probably a selection of like 30 things to say and they all just say the same one. You think it's 30? <laughs> or five. Yes, and correct. So people were like, when I grow up, I'll make houses for the homeless. And then she's like, oh, no more homeless. It's great. Why are you laughing? 
just laughing at the fact. These are serious issues. A lot of them are like, we're going to save Pakistan. What what are you saving it from? So like they're just going (laughs) one after the other on the microphone. I love the girl who who laughs and she gets nervous and she's, and that woman looks pissed off at her like, bitch, I'm going to punch you in the face right now. When she's like, sorry, I, I will be a doctor. And she's like, she's medicine, that's great. <laughs> she's Kalpal, that's great. <laughs> oh my God, we're so funny. She's so round, that's a chef. <laughs> we come up with variations. She's penicillin, that's great. <laughs> I'm just thinking of medication. <laughs> oh my God, he no longer smokes, that's vape. <laughs> <laughs> Pakistan's in the bad. I, so, when I grow up, I will defend Pakistan from India. <gasps> he will hurt, <laughs> that's crap. <laughs> it's so weird. And then she just goes, <laughs> she just goes, you know what? No, shut up, shut up. Yes. We watched the longer video of it. How long was it? About 10 minutes? No, about 11. 11 minutes. We watched that. <laughs> we just sat there in bed watching it. And babe, you were like, do we finish end it? And we were both like, we are committed to this now. Yeah, I was like, we need to carry on and see what, other, what the other kids are saying. And their parents there, it was clearly a massive thing. Like, Yeah, parents, teachers, loads. There was like hundreds of kids there. And um, yeah, so that's what the video is. And it just became viral last year. And it's having a... And I, I was going to actually use it as part of my comedy. But then I was like, nobody's going to know about it. Watch and this now, space. Oh yeah, watch this space completely. But now it's had a complete resurgence. That's great. That's great. I feel like it's one of those things that will like be around forever and like every so often it'll make a resurgence and we'll be like, that's great. Oh, 100%. It's so funny. It's ridiculous. Any hills or bees. Hi, everyone. (laughs) Thank you very much for joining (laughs) us. Uh, and welcome to the You Don't Love Me podcast. My name is, of course, Amir, and this is my husband. Also Amir. Also Amir. That's yes. great. And he's very grab. Yes. No one will have the courage, the courage That's to be grab. Do you know what is like, Do you know what is grab? Yes. The um, Leeds and Reading lineup for this year. <gasps> so one of my favorite festivals growing up was Leeds Fest, and I used to go every year, camping five nights. The works now, obviously, I'm older. Whilst, whilst I don't I, do that. Whilst I um, dream of crisps, you pop off this. Okay, now I don't do that, and you know I've always said, okay, I want to go back for a day, and I went back for a day a few years ago, and I'm like, I'm my favorite band, Bring Me the Horizon, deserved to headline. That's the day I'm going back. Lo and behold, Bring Me the Horizon, joint head, double headlining day, Arctic Monkeys. It's happening. We're going. Yes, indeed. Who are, you look, who are you looking forward to the most? Uh, excuse me. Excuse me. Can you not interrupt me? Thanks. Okay. It's very rude. Girl, stop pretending. That's great. <laughs> stop pretending. Stop, <laughs> stop pretending. We're going to talk I about it. Shit. We're going to talk about it. You're going to um, talk about it, bitch. You just interrupted oh, me another... again. <laughs> you interrupted <laughs> me again. <laughs> Okay, so Tell yes, Leeds lineup, lineup. <laughs> Come on, Rhino. Leeds lineup. Let me try and say that again. Leeds lineup. Leeds lineup. Leeds lineup is really, really good. It looks really, really great. We already have tickets. I'm gonna go. We're gonna go. Hopefully, I'm not doing a show anywhere. It's gonna be amazing. Great day. Whatever. You were on Good Morning Britain recently, weren't you? Oh, again. Yeah. Oh, twice. Yeah. Yes. The first time that Superman bisexual story work. Yeah, but. We've already spoken about that, but we haven't <laughs> spoken about the second one. What do you want to know about that? Episode. Um, I just want to know as to why you keep interrupting me. 
<laughs> yes, she's on a read. Oh my god. Oh, I felt sorry for her today. Why? Because, like, you know, with everything that's happening with Boris's Christmas party, um, she was like very like. I don't. She's have, complicit. She was like, people have died. Yeah. Anyway. Tell us about the experience. Oh, it was shocking. They were rude. They interrupted me. They led me astray. Set the scene, bitch. What happened? What was it about? What was it was about now? the Brit Awards and how the male and female category, it's going to be a category for the best artist, isn't it? And, you know, that that's it. You know what the Grammys have been doing for years, what the VMAs have been doing for years. Yes. Boom, shakalala. Boom, boom, shakalala. Huh? Yeah, that's what's happening. Okay. That's it, really. And then I went on, and I didn't expect you to ask me about this. So, like, I, I am, like, in an interview right now. You asked me a question. I need to talk to my agents, and I need to get them involved. So, you're not allowed to ask, because you're not meant to be asking me this question. It was written down. I didn't see it. Girl, who do you think you are? S Club 7. Girl? Ooh. Do you Child. remember, do you remember when oh, yeah. um, they were on, I don't know what TV show it was with Claudia Winkleman. And um, Claudia asked him a question and the PR person came and she was like, I'm not having it. You can't ask me these questions. And I was like, calm down. It's only S Club 7. That's me right now. But it caused a media stir. It did, girl. She was in the mirror. She was in the what is it? National Express. The all, all honestly, the, I don't give a fuck. All the you know what type papers. I know how it works. It was funny. I know how it works. And everyone always insults me by commenting and calling me what? George Michael. A gay George Michael. A gay George Michael. But it wasn't George, gay George. <laughs> George Michael was gay. And also, that's not an insult. Oh my God, George Michael's amazing. Girls used to swoon over him. I'm a swoon. Yeah, you're a <laughs> swan. Um, yeah, no, I, I thought it was it was fab. It was great TV, babes. Yeah, let's it was do great it again. TV, babes. Let's have a fight again. Come on, Susanna Reid. It was me, great TV. Me v you, Susanna Reid. Let's go. Okay. Let's do it. Let's do it. I War the, of words. I will be the moderator. No. Impartial. We don't need any moderator. Really? It's just going to be you two in a room just shouting <laughs> at each other. No, on national television, Good Morning Britain. Um, but yeah, no, it was fun to watch. Um, <laughs> it was. Bitch. It was great TV. What can I say? That's Personally, what I don't really care for the categories. It's, it's TV. Yeah, no, to be honest with you, honestly... <laughs> It's really oh, not that deep, is it? Bitch, when they listen to this. Oh, let them listen. They want me back on again. And then when you went, when you go back on, they're going to be like, well, actually, Amir, you and your husband cackled ferociously when you said you don't care listen, about non-binary people. Listen, I care about all... Co- oh, girl, I've never said that. I care yeah, about Well, everyone. girl, I'm Susanna Reid right now. I'm oh, you're listening. I never said Racist. that. And I'm categorically saying now babies. that I support all non-binary and trans people. So then what, Susanna Reid? You sat by Piers. You on sat fire. right next to Piers Morgan as he has been transphobic over Spits and over and over again. You carried on working there, so you are complicit. Doesn't wear masks. It's an there you go. Who are you talking about? I'm, I'm just... Th- you! <laughs> what? Did you, did you not get the joke? Yeah, I'm ignoring it. I'm rising above it. I said, I'm Susanna That's Reid. Great. I said, <laughs> I changed my life for Pakistan. I said, I'm I will s- defend Pakistan from India. I will become pilot from Pakistan. I will become doctor and save everyone's lives and save poverty. That's crap. That's crap. <laughs> this is going to be so much fun to listen back to. But, um, yeah, no, I was being Susanna Reid. So I was, t- I was coming up with lies and seeing how he's you going, defend he's yourself. Got, he's got, right, his arms sit, sat down forward. He was like fist to his hips like, I'm being Susanna Reid. Yeah. You little fucking bitch. <laughs> Why are you calling me I was going to say a lot of other things that I can't say on the podcast, but you know. Mm-hmm. Rhymes with Mundi. Mundi means market. Shut up. Mm-hmm. I'm going to um, kick you. So yeah, no, that happened, which was great. Personally, I think, yeah, you you could do with having a male category, female, and a other category, maybe. 
Well, when I was younger, this is really sad what I'm going to confess. You and like, younger? I was, I was really a, a loser, but I was, obs- I was genuinely obsessed with the world. Was. So I would, I would make my own. So yeah. I'm, I'm a little S Club 7 diary, the irony. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd write, like when the Brit Awards came around, I'd do my own, like best newcomer, best male artist, best female artist, blah, blah, blah. And do you know in mine, I'd yes. always have a best artist overall battling it out. Ooh. So I was always ahead of the game. Well, not really, because that would have still given non-binaries a disadvantage. Because the males and females would have had more chance of winning two Yeah, but I was seven years old, babe. I was still ahead of the so, curve. Oh wow, you were exclusionary even at the age of seven. Yeah, that's really mean. <laughs> and those listening know that you're twisting my words. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, yeah, I think uh, one male, one female, one non-binary, or one other category could potentially work. Well, that's still exclusionary, isn't it? Is that's it? just exactly what I, uh, one other. No, I just think, I just think it should be best artist, because in the in the charts they fight against each other. Mm, and, and, if, and and it works at the Grammy. How come it works at the Grammy Awards so fucking well? And if women are at a, at a disadvantage, then isn't that pointing towards a bigger issue? Exactly. There's a there's a there's a strange thing where in society we act like we can't deal with more than one thing at a time. So we act like we can't um, support trans and non-binary people and deal with misogyny at the same time. It's it's weird, that isn't it? Like Maybe. things things can't happen at the same time. Well, this is going to cause this problem. No, you you hit the nail on the head just right there, babe. Yeah. The issue is already there with misogyny. Oh yeah. So and we can tackle everything at once, mm-hmm. and we are we are you know slowly hopefully pr- progressing out of that. And I'm like, let's be honest, right? Who's going to fucking beat Adele at any award show in the next few years anyway? Yeah, and I don't get this notion, and I th- do think that it is uh, ingrained in misogyny. Um, whereby people say, you know, women are special or like, you know, women are princesses and you have to treat oh, them yeah. like your queen. And, you know, I, I, I um, saw a TikTok and now they're trying to use different languages to be less misogynistic or whatever. And it's like, you know, men are the axemen and women are the princesses. And it's like, no, we're equal. Our society is created misogyny equal? so you much. You know that scar that you have on your scrotum, that is your vagina closing up. Did you know that? What? Yeah, our, even our genitals are homologous. Oh, what? Our genitals, they're homologous. They're the same. Oh, oh yeah. That? Okay, cool. So, like, we're equal on so many levels. Yeah, but even regardless of that, I don't give a shit about genitalia. That doesn't bother me. Like, no, but, I, well, you, girl, you've you got to go there. You to, mean, if, oh, to get the to, people. To get the people. To get girl. those dickheads that yeah. are like, me, 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 me. You're like, so well, I'm, like, I'm going to tell I'm you. I'm like, yeah, so it's like, it's oh, unfortunate yeah. unfortunate you've got to go there, isn't so it? So it's like, there was that one contestant on Big Brother who was like, yeah, I was raised, you know, to respect women and, you know, you have to speak to them like this and, you know, you've got to take care of them and they're sensitive. And, and I was like, well, how about the fact that we're just equal? Yeah. Everyone, you know? that, that's the thing people forget. Everyone wants equality, respect everyone. Everyone wants equality. And this girl, unfortunately, this society is built on misogyny. There's so much to do for women's rights. It's ridiculous. Yeah, like, I mean, the safety I would, of women is. Oh my god, I can't even. Don't, don't even start me. I would even go as far as saying that, you know, some of these distinctions are made because of how women are expected to be, or allowed mm. to be, and allowed not to be, and how men are allowed to be and not to be mm. like men can cry at a football game but they're not allowed to cry when they're feeling sad or lonely yeah and then like with the boys you have banter but you know it's frowned upon to sit down and actually have a heart-to-heart conversation about something very real mm. or you know it's acceptable uh it's uh, you know or whereby it's not acceptable for a man to hit a woman but if a woman hits a man you kind of have to take it on the chin yeah you know there's 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 so many problems and 
you know, a, a, just the sheer amount of abuse that women go through. You know, it's it's so dis, you know, despite what happens to men as well, it's so disproportionate. And it's like, girl, maybe we should. So this is why it's really refreshing to see some of these younger couples that are coming up, and I see him on TikTok because hello, she's obsessed with TikTok. Oh my god, please stop and him! They seem TikTok. to have such a they seem to have such a different mindset. And, uh, you know, I even saw this young guy who was like a, a bodybuilder and he was in a live and, and somebody wrote, hey, Alpha. And he went, yeah, no, I'm not Alpha. I don't see it as that. That's just something that you need to work through in your head. I don't see that as myself. And like some of these couples and stuff, it's just refreshing to see that they have a very different approach to um, what it means to be together. Oh, yeah. And, and so it should be like, you know, society's going to fucked up everything. Misogyny and toxic masculinity. We're a gay couple and I'm the lady one. You have to take care of me. No, please, no. I'm the bad. I, I, no. <laughs> no. You need to take care of me. He's getting annoyed with me because we've deviated so far. Oh, around. no, I don't care about deviating from okay. it because it means less time for you to talk, you talk isn't it? In it. All right, in it. <laughs> I don't know why. why. All right, all right, in it. The Bradford boys snapped out of me right there. <laughs> okay, I tell you what. We're going to take a little break and we will be back after this where we talk about Mental health. Bye. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I will sacrifice my life for Pakistan. He will sacrifice Pakistan. That's great. <laughs> I will be pilot for Pakistan. I will destroy India. I love my country. That's what they say, though. It's yeah, scary. It's really weird. <laughs> it's really weird. Now, should we get to the premise of the episode? Let's get to the premise of this episode in it. This episode um, is a continuation of the last one about mental health and well-being. In the last episode, I spoke about my current um, state of mental health. And this episode, um, Amr is going to talk about his mental health journey a little bit. And I I'm actually really interested in this. Yeah? Because I'm really interested, because um, previously we spoke about starting therapy, and I'm interested in seeing how it's going as much as you want to talk about it, you know? And the, the journey you're having, especially for our listeners that are thinking about maybe potentially embarking on therapy. Sure. Before we do that, though... Would you like to provide an update on, on how you're feeling or you not want, would you like to not talk about that? God, I feel like Oprah right now. Um, You'll get a car if you do. Get, getting better, but there's some, some days that sometimes things just hit you and it's tough. Yes. You know, when you least suspect it. So like slowly but surely and like I'm not trying to push myself too much and trying yeah. to take things easier than normal, which is a lot hard for me. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, but let's talk about you now, bitch. 
Oakley, Doakley, what would you like to know? Um, you started therapy. How long ago did you start therapy? Oh, I don't know. I swear I started therapy about six months okay. ago. May I ask why you started therapy and why now? So I started therapy because life was just getting too heavy for me. It was getting to the point where my mental well-being was manifesting in a physical form and it still is and I do still have my days but I don't know how to describe it mental Ill, mental health is such a crazy thing you know everything just felt terrible and a lot of it was to do with my relationship with my biological family and through therapy I've realized that there was a lot more to it as well and that is the reason why I decided to um, seek help and it wasn't cheap to begin with anyway. Um, and it took a while because finding a therapist, I decided to go down the therapy route. Previously, I've been to my doctor in the past and, you know, they've prescribed me antidepressants, which I didn't take. And then with the NHS, with it being so oversubscribed at the time anyway, it, I know that it's difficult to get hold of a therapist on the NHS. So in my head, I always had it that I was going to go private, you know? Um, and then I went through this app that you can use where you can send text messages to your therapist. And I'd heard a lot about it and it just did not work out. I think the first therapist was unresponsive. And then I tried two or three more times and I was like, OK, this isn't for me. I need to be in a room, even if it's virtual. So I tried approaching a few more. And by the way, the reason why I'm talking about this is because you will have people that may have an initial free consultation or they may have tried a little bit, uh, you know, in terms of trying to get hold of someone and they've just given up at that point or they feel like as if nobody wants to help them. And it's important to power through that because even I felt that I was like, oh, OK, I guess my problems aren't big enough for people to respond to, you know, especially with the first one where it's auto generated messages. And it's like, what would you you know, what are you going through? And here I am pouring my heart out only to find out that it's a robot on the other end saying, sorry, you're going through bad stuff. Would you like A, B or C? And I'm like, fuck's sake, I'm going to have to tell this again and again. But guess what? That does make it better. It does make it easier. Then I um, found a therapist in central Manchester, but he wasn't available. And I was like, for fuck's sake. And then as luck would have it, I found this other application, which I'm not going to mention because we're not being sponsored by them. Um, and that's really, really good because I can book my appointments in advance. I can book them uh, on the day if there's availability and I can dictate as to when and how often I want to see a therapist. Uh, and I'll just click the button, book, book the session and, and, and sit down and have a chat. From the comfort of your own home, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, from the comfort of my own home, I can put the camera on and the microphone on or I can switch the camera off if I want to. And the important thing that my... Yeah, and then... He said, uh, my, w one thing which I really like about my therapist is when I had the first conversation with my therapist, what I really liked was at the end of it, he said, you know, I'd love to hear from you again. But, you know, and I said to him, you know, I don't know what I can commit to or how often. And he, and he put his hand up and he was like, don't listen to anyone who tells you that you need to speak to somebody. Often you speak when you're ready, whether it's now, whether it's when, whenever that's entirely your prerogative. And that really, really helped me because I didn't feel like as if I was being pressured into doing something. So yeah, that's how I, uh, that's the reason why I started it. And that's how I began. Oh, that's brilliant. 
well done. First of all, well done for taking the steps um, to to go into therapy. It's it's a big step to make and to admit, you know, there's there's something that's not quite um, um, adding up. And you mentioned that it's about your biological family and your relationships. So, um, is there anything you can like pinpoint reasons or things that you'd like to share that really launched your journey into therapy? Yeah, sure. And, ha- and how that's gone through through your journey? Yeah, sure. And I mean. I'm happy to talk about what exactly it is, you know, mm. and some things you might not know. Um, and if you don't want me to talk about me in further detail, just let me know. It's up to you, Rick. Um, no, because, and you know, this is a full on trigger warning for people, because if it is too much to listen to, just stop. I would, you know, I would highly recommend just hitting the stop button and going elsewhere because um, it can be a lot. To process for people uh, and, and that's the reason why I wanted to go for therapy as well because you know I want to make my mental health better and I want my emotional well-being to be better because if that's better then I, I'm at a much better capacity uh, it's not the best way to describe it but you know your mental health in my opinion is akin to your physical health as well if you had a massive open wound in your leg would you not go to get it fixed you would you not have go to have it treated and it's the same with mental health as well so your question was as to what exactly it was that i spoke about with with my therapist in terms of no i we don't need to know what you you know you don't need to delve into everything you spoke about with your therapist that's between like you and your therapist you don't need to delve into everything but what but what is it you know you mentioned it's your relationship with your biological family for those that have listened or haven't listened to podcasts, like, what do you mean by that? What relationship and that got you to the therapy? Sure. So what... Okay, so it's really interesting, actually, Amir. It really, really is for me because ever since we moved to Manchester, we live in a really, really nice place and it's very calm and it's very comfortable. And that is something that my body is not used to. And I did not realize that, mm-hmm. you know, when you're in danger, you go to safety and you think, okay you know, curtain call, and they all lived happily ever after. And in actual fact, that is not the case. What happened to me was I started having a lot of insomnia. I started having panic attacks. I started having dreams that my biological family were out to get me and all sorts. Crazy anxiety, and that's unlike you. Crazy levels of anxiety, heart palpitations, indigestion, you name it. Like, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd walk outside and I'd struggle to breathe. It was crazy. And I didn't know what was going on. And one of the things that I have come through is my biological family abandoning me as a result of being gay. But that happened about five or six years ago now. It'll be six years, in fact, to the to this date, pretty much, it's six years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I thought it's something that I've well and truly overcome. But I guess not in some ways. So that is what prompted me to go to therapy because... As many South Asians, and actually not just South Asian, but many as many people will have uh, this sort of inner conflict because you think to yourself, am I right for doing this? Am I in the wrong for doing this? Did I make the right decision by leaving? Um, will they come back? Will they be missing me? All of these inner conflicts. And I really needed a therapist to help me stop that chatter and get some sort of closure without... Um, seeing them basically, mm. which sounds crazy, but you know, I've found that it is possible, and that unraveled the thread for me. Yeah. And I, on 
unpicked so much. Um, and I'm glad that it took months to do it. Otherwise, I would have been just too overwhelmed. You know, what I realized was that a lot of this was me being too nice, but then also the way that I was raised was in a way so that I would collude and I would get things mixed up. And, you know, the therapy began with me saying things like, I hate the word pleasure. And I I feel bad for enjoying stuff yeah. in life. I don't even like the word enjoyment. And now, and you know, when I spoke of the things that I would do for my family to keep them happy and how I had made this decision in my head to continuously smile and make sure everyone's happy around me. That was crazy to me because to a certain extent, I put it down to religion where religion tells you to be a good person. But in actual fact, I was just trying to please my parents. And <clears throat> I'm so glad you mentioned that because I think a lot of people listening, a lot of people in this world, that it's this obsession to make your parents happy, please your parents. But to what extent and to what impact on you, babe? Well, the thing is, when you're a child... They are the hand that feeds. Mm. And I believe, I've always said that some of the things, you know, the foundations or the things that we're all aspiring towards or entitled to is love and respect. You know, we want love and we are social beings. We want that interaction. But I would throw another one in there and, and that's validation. Mm. And I think growing up, I, and you know, I've admitted it to myself, but it's uncomfortable to even talk about it on this podcast. Growing up, all what I wanted was to be loved. Mm. And I think not enough of us uh, acknowledge that, you know, we put the pressure of things on ourselves or we go into a rebellion. But for me, I broke down inside myself and there was this one day where I just had an absolute realization, an absolute realization that you know, I might as well hold a funeral over my childhood because it was not the childhood that I deserved. You know, mm. what I realized was that all what I wanted wanted was love and acceptance. That is all what I was chasing. And I wasn't given that. Um, and in some ways, because my parents were toxic in raising me, they kept moving that goalpost. So I never knew where I stood with them or what I could do to get their acceptance or how long it would last and what my next step would be that would send them into a abusive frenzy. So, you know, speaking of your, your childhood and your toxic parents, which you spoke about before and how abusive it was. So what I'm getting here is just like every other child and everyone, you want to be loved. You want to be accepted. Yes. But would you say you were loved and accepted? No, no, okay. I think, and, and, and I think that, sort of the thread unraveled with my sexuality and being kicked out. But in in hindsight, that wasn't even the beginning of my problems with them because I always, and this was another big headache in my head, which was what if they accepted me as all forgiven or if they accepted me for being gay, would everything be hunky-dory? And the truth is no. And then what I realized was that I had confronted them on their behavior on numerous occasions that I had just... Mm -hmm filed away in my head and that was a very difficult realization and then with my therapist I went into detail which I won't do now 
because it's of no avail. I, I unless if you guys think I should do, then you know by all means comment and let us know. But you know, I went through. I didn't realize, and it, it was when my therapist used the word traumatic. I kept on looking to him to get some sort of acknowledgement, validation, even though I have had it from people years and years and years ago, every single time where I have told them some element of my story, they've said, yep, your parents are assholes, they're horrible people, you need to stay away. Countless people who have been very close to me, who have um, been very supportive of me, have said that to me. It's so hard. It is so, so hard. But guess why? The re- you know the reason why? Is because those words aren't coming from you. Mm. And, you know, I really applaud my therapist for the way in which he was able to bypass those questions because there was a point where I was getting frustrated with him. I was like, there was this one time I spoke to him and I said, you know, I'm so, and, and I'm a busy person, you know, <laughs> I've, I've got, I'm, I'm literally in meetings day in, day out, or we're content creating, or I'm doing shows, making other people laugh. You know, there's times where I don't have enough time to even really scratch my head. And so there was this one time where I was like, look, I know we haven't spoken in a month or so, or it was two, three weeks. And I said, I, I just want answers from you. You know, I, was this the right thing to do? Was it that bad kind of thing? And as I was talking to him about it, and as he was asking the right, correct questions, I realized that I'm ju- I've just found another adult through which I want validation from. But in actual fact, I need... I need it from myself. Mm. And it's then that I realized that my parents were abusive. And in order to protect both emotionally, physically, mentally, uh, and, you know, there was elements of neglect in there as well. Mm. Um, And then obviously I read the book, Toxic Parents uh, by Dr. Susan Forward, and there's a lot of synergies and so that was very difficult and it became a very painful time for me um, whereby I stopped reading the book and, you know, I it was this overwhelming feeling of emotion. And as I was reading the book, there was an, an, an analogy about picturing a wound and, yeah, the wound's there, but the pain's going to begin when you when you have to clean it out. You've got to clean it out before it heals, before you can heal it. And what I was experiencing was the pain of it being cleaned out. Mm. That was the tough, that was the tough part for me. Um, and yeah, that, that's when I started getting the answers myself through work with therapy and realizing that all what I wanted was love and acceptance. And another thing that I learned was the fact that it was traumatic. It was a traumatic childhood. You know, that's not, whether it's normal or not, it's not acceptable. It just completely is not. You know, these kids who make jokes about, oh, being hit by your parents and, you know, trying not to laugh and just smiling. So, you know, it's not funny and it's not acceptable and it's not a joke. Your parents throwing homophobic abuse at you, calling you prostitutes uh, and beating the crap out of you to the point where your bodies are disfigured. That's not funny. Mm. And all of those apply to me. Mm. Does that answer your question? No, that that does. <clears throat> and I was gonna say, you know, you you are still you're still doing therapy now, aren't you? Just let yes. everyone know. Yes, I am, yes. Um so far so so like what you've done so far, what, what kind of things have you you really 
just pin it down and really learn or anything you've picked up that really helps you now at this moment? The biggest thing that I have learned through therapy was that it was not my fault. That is the biggest um, thing that I have, have learned, whether it was um, uh, uh, any form of abuse. And, you know, what I've read is that the effects of various types of abuse are oddly the same. The effects are still the same. You know, if you were physically abused as a child, um, you often have this rage or you feel, or, or you have anger or you um, struggle to form relationships with people or allow them to be too close. There's, 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 all, there's a whole list. I can't remember them off the top of my head. I might be making some up, but you know, what that meant was, I don't think I'm making it up, but I, I related to those. I related to the anger. I related to the rage. And I just thought there was something wrong with me. You know, there was times mm. where I would just feel angry. Um, or if I just see somebody outside, it would just trigger something. And I just feel really, really angry towards that person. And, you know, I'd have to be snapped out of it. It was just a complete f fantastical um, scenario. And then what I realized was that it was misplaced anger. The biggest thing that I realized was that whether it was physical, emotional abuse or whether it was molestation, being sexualized as a child, none of it was my fault. I did not do anything to deserve that. I did not do anything to make it my fault. Often children who are abused in such a way carry the guilt and shame with them. And a way to rid yourself of that in my opinion, is to talk about it, you know, it, it, it was a very, and it's a daily practice for me to remind myself that, listen, you did not do anything wrong, there is nothing wrong with being gay, there's nothing wrong with being flamboyant, you do not have to follow Islam, you don't, do not have to follow organized religion, you know, it's okay to make mistakes as a child, you don't deserve physical abuse as a result of it, mm. that is not how to parent a child, and, you know, the excuse was always, oh, well, if you had your own children, then then we'll see. Well, actually, there's many people who have had children and they put measures in place to stop that cycle of abuse. And one of the measures I've put in is the fact that I've decided that I don't <laughs> want children. Truth. I, I don't. And, and one of the big reasons why, fuck the planet. One of the big reasons why is because I, I want to put a, a stop to that cycle of abuse. I used to always joke saying, oh, you know, I've got terrible genes. Why would I pass them on to someone else? But that is one of the reasons why, because... I don't, I don't want that. I don't think that cycle should continue. Mm. So that was my biggest, biggest lesson. No, that's, um, <clears throat> that's really positive as well. That's really um, great. You know, learning that there's behaviors that you want to change within yourself and ways that you want to change and what you've learned about yourself. And in terms of therapy, you, are you planning to continue it and into yeah. the new year? Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of the, the time a lot of the time and even though i'd already read about it i was the same i was like all right okay doc here, <laughs> here, here's the issues um do you think we could be done by in six months do you think we'll be done in four sessions do you know what i mean and he did say that you know we it shouldn't i don't know if he said if it, it shouldn't take too long but i swear he said something along along the lines of four or five sessions but then i ended up telling him a lot more about myself and then obviously it's prolonged it, therapy is um, in my opinion, it's a, it's a longer term thing in the sense that you will have periods where you will see a therapist often, and then there might be years where you don't, and then you might just need to go back in for a fine check or a tune up. 
you know? Mm. Um, something you can dip in and out forever. Something, yeah, something that you can dip in and out of. And, you know, I I was the... Uh, I'm a child who's come from an abusive household. So there's a lot to unlearn and there's a lot to work through. There, there is. There and there might be is. triggers in 20 years' time and, and, yeah, and, and things, things might happen. Oh, my God. You know, some of the triggers, you wouldn't even think of them as triggers. Mm. Like the slightest smell of something can trigger me or, um, you know, uh, ice cream, a type of ice cream. You you just never know. And then your mind will go, oh, do you remember that memory? And I'm like, oh, my fucking God, how did this happen? Then you can't avoid living. Do you know what I mean? Mm. But I, I do want to talk about a couple of points before we uh, ring this episode yeah, out. Sure. Um, and that was in terms of getting better and what steps... I've decided to take in order to get better. There were certain things that that happened in my childhood which I believe should be reported. And I haven't done it yet, but I do want to report non-recent abuse. Mm. And I think that at the very least, even if it doesn't get pursued further and, and investigated, I think it will help me get closure. Um, so that's something that I do intend to do because I th- there's certain things that happened in that house that should not have happened to any child. Mm. And some of it wasn't even to me, mm. you know? So I really want to, I really want to report that. I think that's a, the right thing to do. And I've toyed with it for the longest time, but I do think that's the right thing to do. Um, uh, and then another thing, is, well, there's two more points, actually. The first is writing a letter of confrontation or, or having that confrontation. And I think that that's really, really important in order to be able to say what you say and being able to practice non-confrontational responses. For me, those those non-confrontational responses were, a lot of them were in my head where by a voice in my head would say, oh, it was a long time ago, or maybe it didn't happen that way, or you need to get over it kind of thing. And then I have to remind myself, no, it did happen. This is what you did to me. This is how it felt, you know, what I went through and how I want to how I want to move forward. And I've only written one letter of confrontation and that was to my mum. And what came out was just absolutely insane. I, I didn't even realize how much I had stored up in my head. And what I also realized was, you know, despite um, me being a critic of Islam, I realized that in actual fact, what my parents did was use Islam as a tool to justify their abuse. Mm. And that is twisted. Mm. I've yet to come across somebody who has experienced that. You know, what they said, what they did. And, you know, with the book that I've read by Dr. Susan Forward, there's accounts of um, people's parents doing it in the same way. And it's like, you know, using, and they come from a Christian background and they've done it. And it's like, oh my God. So, and then also knowing that even if I did confront my parents in real life, they may not want to um, accept liability. And I know my parents, I think they are the type of parents that would do that. And that's enough for me to know um, that, you know, I've done this confrontation exercise. It's helped me heal. And I know where I stand with them. And I, rather than get, letting them making the decision to kick me out, I'm making the decision to protect myself and do better. 
And that was a very, very important uh, part for me. And, you know, my therapist is my support system. Unfortunately, I don't know many people and I don't know them very well in Manchester. I've lost a lot of friends as well, or at least I've lost regular contact with them. And I do miss that. But at least I've got a therapist who's who I'm able to speak to um, in confidence. Mm. You know, that that's um, a, a very strong point. And that can give you professional advice as well. Yes, yes, absolutely. Because people can listen, but it's hard to give advice. It is very hard to give advice. And, you know, like like with yourself, uh, you know, I can listen, but I'm no medical expert. Oh, yeah. You know, I I, I can't I can't give you the correct advice. I'll give I'm going to end I'm going to end this, but I do just want to talk about a quick story, if that's okay. Okay. Oh, I know what this is. You know which one it is, isn't it? Effelent. It's the elephant. Yes, indeed. So I was I was driving to a gig in Wales uh, last month, and I was listening to RuPaul's podcast, and he was uh, it's the episode with Alan Carr and Graham Norton on, and the vast majority of the episode is just him and Michelle Visage talking, right? And he was talking about your inner child, um, connecting with your inner child you know, making that connection and giving your inner child the reassurance that you're going to take care of them. Because what he realized was that a lot of his pain came from the fact that there was that one day where his dad was supposed to pick him up and he never did. So I think RuPaul's dad was fairly absent in his life, right? And what he was doing through the people that he was meeting in his life was trying to fill that father figure. And rather what he needs to do is that her child inside him that still lives inside him, he needs to be the adult for that child. And that was a realization for me. And it was a really strong realization. And as I was driving, I almost had this out of body experience and I, somehow made a connection and I felt a connection to my inner child and I saw an an inner child that was really scared and afraid of the world really really scared and afraid of the world and I said to them I said to my inner child I said you know I'm going to take care of you and you know in the podcast RuPaul was saying if you lie to your inner child your inner child will know and you can't lie to your inner child. You can't make it up. You have to be honest with with it. And I was like, I'm going to take care of you by making sure that the abuse that happened to you never happens again and that you go nowhere near your abusers. That happened to you as a child, but now you're an adult and you are in control. And so I'm going to take, as as an adult, I'm going to make sure you get whatever you want you're taken care of however you want. And those people who put you in harm's way or harmed you are nowhere near you. And that was such an aha moment. Like that was such a powerful moment for me because I was like, oh my God, that collusion that I had in my head, that inner conflict of do I go back, do I not? That all has just gone away because guess what? Every single time I've gone back to them, my inner child has said, danger, danger, danger. Mm. And I've ignored it for the sake of family and religion and other people and pleasing others. But now I have to put myself forward. I have to put myself first. And that was a real turning point for me. And so that very night I had this dream of um, this baby elephant. And elephants are my favorite animals, by the way. Like they are my favorite animals. 
And this elephant had turned green like a watermelon and it was in a supermarket in a cold area where they keep the veggies and stuff, but not in the fridge area. And <laughs> that's <laughs> that, relevant. that distinction's important for us people, for those who like supermarkets like me. And I, then I picked it up and I was like, who would leave an elephant, baby elephant like this? You know, it wasn't even that big. Um, slightly bigger than a watermelon, I suppose. And I was like, I picked it up and then I started playing with it. I took care of it. And I was nurturing it, maybe even fed it. And then all of a sudden it was in Gay Village at Manchester and some of the drag queens were looking at it and they were, you know, like an auntie would look at a child and like a, a toddler and, you know, approvingly be like, oh, look at him kind of thing. And this elephant changed color from green to gray and it just looked so much happier. And then I woke up and I just felt so emotional Um because I feel like that was my inner child. Mm. And that dream was about my inner child and me making that commitment to it and it finally feeling safe and happy. And since then, I have felt a lot better. Am I completely perfect? No. Do I have my wobbles? Of course I do. And there are still things that I need to work on. But, you know, I can only do it at my own pace. But, yeah, that's where I am. I'm at with my journey. But I'm, I hope this has helped you guys. And I hope it gives you guys some hope, but also just illustrates how far you can come through the right support. Mm. Oh, yeah, I agree. First of all, I want to say thank you so much for sharing. Um, thank that. you. Um, secondly, I'm very proud of you thank on you. this journey. It's it's incredible. And um, it takes a lot of balls. Um, and thirdly, I want to say I do think it will help people, you know, listening, people resonate with it. You know, a lot more people will be going through this than, than we think or we'll realize this in two years three years five years ten years time yeah you know when they're at capacity and in a situation where they can realize and recognize their abusive and toxic upbringings and the impact it's had on their lives yeah you know um so yeah well done babe. thank you well thank done you. thank you very much and uh yeah if you guys want an update of how we're doing it maybe we'll have a part three maybe we'll i'm bring sure a, we'll have more episodes like this maybe we'll bring a therapist on who knows oh maybe nothing <laughs> no i think we are scheduled <laughs> no, I'm to joking. have a therapist we, on watch this space next year watch in this the, space in the new year yeah for sure mm-hmm. all right guys well that was today's episode i hope it was great and that's great <laughs> we'll no. sacrifice life my back is Thank you very much, everyone. We love you, but you, you don't, don't love, love me. me. That's great. Goodbye. I have the carrot. <laughs> I hate you. Thank you for listening to the You Don't Love Me podcast with Amir and Amir. Follow us on Instagram at You Don't Love Me Boys. Follow us also on Twitter at YDLMBoys. And you can also email us on you don't love me boys at outlook.com. Thank you very much for listening. Bye.